and welcome to Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast. My name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. On Into the Aether, generally, we talk about stuff that is coming out or stuff that we are playing. And Stephen, you and I talked about Splatoon 2 recently. I did not get the DLC that came out semi-recently, and I think you did, and you've been playing it, and I want to hear about it. What is yeah up? for sure? What is it called? Octo. <laughs> it's called Octo Expansion, right? Like yeah, they literally. I, I'm so glad you you talked first. I almost said Octopath Traveler, <laughs> which would be a really funny. I would take love on that crossover. Yeah. yeah, right. The fans want it. Yeah, I so I think this came out in like July. Like it wasn't too long ago. Yeah, uh, a few months. Um, Octo Expansion. It's uh, as far as I can tell, mostly a single player edition. I think you can unlock the ability to play as an octoling which before now have been like the bad guys essentially yeah you can probably get gear and stuff once you beat it i have been really enjoying it um i think it feels like something splatoon fans have probably wanted for a while so i know that like like i'm new to the series i i've been playing mostly online um i've done a little bit of the default single player and i've enjoyed it yeah especially later on I, i i'm like at world three of it basically and like there are boss fights and like they really have fun with treating it like a platformer and using all the unique weapons and like you know shooting a sponge will make a sponge like blow up and like yeah there are there are levels where enemies will shoot that and it'll shrink so the default single player definitely goes beyond i think i said in our last episode that it feels a little bit like a tutorial and i think that the first world does but then it gets more intense and and uh, yeah. fulfilling yeah it ramps up the octo expansion is so difficult it is so hard really uh but it's it's really fun so what they do uh that's kind of clever each i guess i should set up a bit of the of the story and this is another thing too like we said in the last episode we're talking about the salmon run and we're like it's comforting to know that this is the sketchiest the world of Splatoon gets. Is, yeah. is this weird bear who wants to eat salmon? It gets sketchier. Spoiler oh. alert. It gets way. This this expansion kind of deals with like uh, the octolings and other sea creatures who live like basically in the Splatoon equivalent of the deep sea. So mm, like most cool. of the campaign takes place on kind of this like old subway train. Good. And the the colors are a lot like it's more the colors are still very saturated, but it's more uh, somber and more like almost like a grimy nightclub in some levels. Yeah. What really stood out to me is that so in the normal single player, when you pause and like you can look at your menu and like what weapons you have and, and the world map um, and then it, you can click a button that says back to Inkopolis mm. and the Octo expansion. When you open that menu, the option to go back to Inkopolis is imagine Inkopolis. And I was like, that is so weird and sad that like this character has to just like think about what Inkopolis might be like because they've never been there. Wait, so you're playing as an Octoling. Yeah, I I guess you should go more into the story. Okay, you're an Octoling that you can customize the same way your your uh, Inkling protagonist. Yeah. Who has amnesia and you wake up and this this like old I think he's supposed to be a cuttlefish. He is like, hey, uh, normally you'd be my enemy but like i'm stuck here like let's get out together and then you navigate through this area of enemies and then you get to a subway station and there's a telephone and the telephone rings and there's this like very strange voice that tells you like to ascend reality basically to like get to the surface the which is like 
kind of like a almost a place of myth for these creatures because they've never been yeah they're like you have to collect these four items to ascend and that way now that i'm saying this out loud it kind of reminds me of hotline miami in that way both in the (laughs) both in the colors and in the setup of like you keep getting this weird call and it's pretty apparent early on that what you're being led to do may not be good yeah and marina and pearl are like your they help you out through the campaign so they're kind of like comedic relief um, Mm. throughout it's it's really it's really dark the music is awesome Uh, i think this this game has an awesome soundtrack but the octo expansion is like very lo-fi hip-hop and like Mm. interesting atonal like electronic music yeah Um, it really is the inverse of like the very like pop rock ska of the of the main game that's very cool though i'm into that i think it feels like they're giving Splatoon fans a really engaging and challenging single player experience that kind of dives deep, literally both in the plot and like in what you can do in a single player Splatoon game. Yeah. Cause I think that like this game could very easily be multiplayer only. And it's really impressive that they spent so much time to like uh, explore the lore of this world. It, it leaves me feeling guilty playing as my main character because mm. I just know that my Octoling character is somewhere on the subway imagining what the surface is like. Yeah. I think once you beat it, you can play as them. I'm not sure what the difference is other than just cosmetic. And they kind of look the same and they, they have slightly different designs. But yeah, they have like different hairstyles that you can choose and stuff, I think. Yeah, yeah. And their their faces are slightly different. But um, but yeah, it's it's really cool. It's really tough. And the levels each focus, they're different like subway stop and they each focus on like one central challenge. I actually read somewhere that uh, the reviewer compared it to shrines in Breath of the Wild. There might be like, like there's one that's like you have to pop all the balloons before they float away. That one is excruciatingly difficult. Wow. There's one that's like you don't have any weapons. You just have to dodge all incoming attacks. Oh, my God. So you, yeah. So it's there's one that's just like uh, there's like a, a layout of wooden boxes that makes like the figure of a dog and you, and then there next to it is just like a big cube of boxes that you have to shoot to match it. Exactly. <laughs> I love that. It's really fun and really different. And I think that this is like kind of a shining example of what DLC can be. Cause it's so, so different than the, than the normal game, but it adds a lot to it. Both right. in like a, I didn't really know much about the lore of Splatoon. I did, in, a, in a nice way, I didn't really care. Like I, I just, it worked for me. Like it was a cool city. Yeah. But the fact that there's this like whole underside of the city that like doesn't know what the surface is like, it kind of has a, it adds to the world in an interesting way. Yeah. Um, I, I hope they do more like this. In Splatoon 1 and in Splatoon 2, playing through it for the first time, like one of the secrets that you could get on each level was like a little sheet of paper that had like some very light lore. Light lore in the way like, weirdly enough, like a Dark Souls or like a Destiny would have where it's like you're just learning about a very specific piece of the world that kind of tells you a little bit more like you could imply once you have enough of that knowledge more about the world as a whole. But that never really clicked for me as much. And I really like the idea of like the developers of this game really like sitting down and thinking to themselves, okay, what, what kind of world allows a thing like, you know, the Splatoon like ranked battle tower to exist, you know? (laughs) And the answer to that being that there's like a, like a secret CD undercity uh, where all of the Octolings just want to be up on the surface, like having fun with everyone else, I think is, is very Nintendo in the best way. It is, yeah. I'm into it, that. I love it. 
yeah i i am really enjoying it i'm still like halfway through i i actually got more into that than the normal single player so part of me was like let me beat the vanilla single player first yeah but i keep going back to the to the octo expansion it's it's a lot of fun i i I would recommend it to anyone who has like spent a lot of time with splatoon and like wants a different kind of experience with it yeah i want to play it feels like a different game yeah i'd I'd i think you would enjoy it especially like given your taste in that kind of like challenging but rewarding single player um i think yeah. you'd be into it i was kind of iffy on it too because like when it got announced i was really excited about it and then it came out at kind of a bad time where there were just so many other things happening simultaneously that i just kind of was like well i have to pick and choose what i'm going to spend money on the poster art for it is doesn't really give you much to go on it just sort of shows an octoling which is like cool but like yeah. it, it, i had no idea that it was going to be hotline miami splatoon edition <laughs> yeah uh the other thing I think you would like, you unlock these things called mem cakes that are they look like little eraser figurines of like you unlock one of like um, a lot of different creatures you would find creatures and characters you would find in Splatoon. Yeah. And what comes alongside them are poems about that character. Very good. It is it is really weird, but I'm, I'm into it. I'm very intrigued. Yeah, this what you just described sounds so different than what I saw in the Nintendo Directs leading up to its release. <laughs> like, yeah, it's kind of like we were talking, I think, last week about um, Pokemon Ultra Sun and Moon. And like I watched like four or five Nintendo Directs about that game and was like, I don't know what the difference is between this and regular Sun and Moon. I feel like I had a completely different image in my head of what Octo Expansion was going to be. Um, apparently, there might be a reveal of more DLC that's going to come out towards the end of the year, like another thing like this um, soon, or like it'll come out early 2019 or something like that, which now I'm also even more excited about. Yeah, I, I really like that because I think that it's a game they are clearly adding a lot to with the multiplayer. I mean, the levels change every three hours and they're always adding new items and stuff. Yeah. And the fact that they're now devoted to having like, weird single player episodes like this that could i mean going forward they could probably focus on a number of different areas like uh there's there's so much to to unearth in this weird world of splatoon it's a good direction for it right it's like i feel like you know just going and adding another level or another weapon or something every week or two that's like one kind of supporting a game which i'm really into don't get me wrong like most games don't even see that level of support sure but the fact that they're continuing to revisit it and saying like, okay, so you're getting extra stuff for multiplayer and that's what everyone is playing. That's what everybody wants. But we have this weird idea that we want to kind of explore. And like, if you'll come along with us, we'd love to show it to you. That's kind of a very, um, that's a very fun way of, of making Splatoon feel like a bigger thing than it, than it was initially. Yeah. And I think too, like just the central mechanic of like using the paint to swim in, like, Nintendo platformers traditionally kind of center around a very simple idea, like Odyssey, right? Throwing your hat, possessing yeah. enemies. That's a bit more intricate than uh, the normal mechanics are, but like just the central mechanic of Splatoon is inherently fun that you could do a lot with that in, in a platforming sense. Yeah. And that's the interesting thing. It becomes more of a platformer than a shooter. Yeah, uh, totally. a single player experience, which I, which I enjoy. Again, I'm really surprised how into Splatoon I am. I'm, I'm becoming a huge fan of that whole franchise. <laughs> yeah. So... We'll see. We'll see what uh, happens in the future with new DLC. Yeah. The way you're talking about it is how I felt playing the first Splatoon single player, which was like really surprisingly good because it wasn't really talked about that much, like leading up yeah. to it. And then it came out and everybody played and was like, holy shit, this was really great. 
And the last boss fight in that game is one of my favorite boss fights of all time. And then they try and redo it again at the at the end of Splatoon 2 and it doesn't really like land as well. It's the same guy, just kind of like a worse version of it. And that's kind of how I felt <laughs> about the Splatoon 2 single player. It was like, this is like pretty good, you know, like I enjoyed yeah. playing it, but it doesn't like reach the same highs as the first one. And it sounds like Octo Expansion like probably does, at least yeah. in terms of them just like really exploring the edge case of like what can we do with these wild mechanics we came up with yeah there are some like there's one level where you have to uh there's like a giant like billiard ball that you have to like guide to the end and during awesome. that whole time there it is gamecubes floating in the sky I'm like, this <laughs> is this is like the unconscious like of every nintendo fan i feel like yeah. this is like <laughs> i'm amazed that they would pick gamecubes i wonder if that like i wonder if there was like a pitch meeting where it was like i have an idea for a level and because these people are underwater and they're removed from society, the latest Nintendo product they have is the GameCube. <laughs> yeah, I wonder. It does like maybe it's because of the same team as Animal Crossing, but there's something about Splatoon that does kind of evoke that era of, uh, of Nintendo. Yeah, definitely. When they were trying out like a lot of new stuff. And you said this in another episode, but I feel like they're back to that to that mentality. Like yeah. every game coming out for the Switch is just like incredible. Yeah, I, I'm I'm just daydreaming about what the next DLC is going to be. And like, for some reason, I can't stop thinking about that weird. I think his name is Krusty Sean, who owns the food truck. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, what if there's like an overcooked version of Splatoon where it's just you and like Krusty Sean trying and to like do stuff? his crayfish family? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That will not happen, but um, I'm excited to see what will never say never with Splatoon and Nintendo. You never know. I mean, I, I don't think anyone could have predicted Octo Expansion. It's no. it's uh it's an interesting but awesome experience. Yeah, you have to let me know when you finish it. I'm curious. Um, I mean, tell me off the podcast. We don't spoil it for people, but I'm curious how that ends because I I hope that it's just like you get to the end of that and then you find your way to the surface and it's like wow, now Octolings and Inklings get to be friends forever. Like I hope it is very wholesome. Yeah, yeah I hope I, it starts off very like seedy and sad and de- kind of depressing and then ends up like incredibly optimistic i i yeah no i won't spoil anything i will just say as kind of a lingering thing that the four items you're told to collect once you start to get a few of them you're like okay like i see what's happening here oh really yeah yeah the framing device i think is really effective for the for the mood in the beginning cool okay yeah yeah that sounds good yeah you want to take a break i would love to take a break let's do it let's take a break I have wanted to play a Civilization game for a while, and for some reason playing Into the Breach on Switch made me realize, like, hey, maybe Civ would work, but, like, there's no way they would do 6, so I wonder if they would do, like, Civilization <laughs> Revolution 2, or, like, right, those ones right. that they, like, made just for consoles in the past. And then I think, like, two days after that, they announced Civ 6 on Switch. And I, it's I, incredible. I, I can't believe that it's happening. Yeah, I can't think of a series that's more PC-exclusive. Then, yeah, like, right. And, and the fact that they want to make it on the that just a testament to like how many teams and developers want their games on Switch. Yeah. Um, so I made a joke of like everyone now missing their train stops because Civilization Six on Switch just like you know <laughs> uh, that's a game where time just literally flies by both in real life and in the game. Should we talk about Destiny? Yeah, let's do it. Cool. So Brendan, you've been playing more Destiny Two. Tell me more. Yes. Uh, Destiny 2 had its huge, huge, huge expansion come out this week. Uh, it's called Forsaken. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, for people who played maybe Destiny 1, the analog would be the Taken King. Uh, it's the big like year two expansion. So when Destiny was first in 
development, the deal was between Bungie and Activision, one huge main game and then a couple little DLCs, like a little like some small story things that just like added, you know, things here and there. And then every off year would be like a huge, huge, huge expansion that's like almost full game size. And then a couple more small DLCs. And then the next year after that would be the numbered sequel and then just repeat Mm. that formula over and over and over again. So this is the quote unquote off year of of the numbered sequels. So we get this big expansion called Forsaken. And this expansion really is Destiny 2 becoming the thing that everybody wanted Mm. it to be, which like is is an exact copy paste of the situation that happened with Destiny 1, which I think is upsetting to a lot of people. Like if you go online, if you go on Reddit and stuff, if you don't go on the Destiny subreddit and you're on like r slash games or like people just generally talking about video games every time destiny comes up people just get like very upset like right off the bat um because when destiny 2 came out it removed most of the things that made destiny 1 great in terms of its progression and in terms of its just in terms of its like infinite replayability that thing that people wanted like to keep coming back to that like almost mmo-esque drive to continue to come back Uh, a lot of that stuff was removed uh in the same way that when destiny 1 came out it didn't have any of that and then it took them two years to put all that stuff in Uh, Most of it happening in the Taken King expansion, which was the first big year one one. This is Destiny 2 becoming what it should have been all along, while also adding some really, really great single player missions that have like huge ramifications on the story going forward, which I think are really interesting. And that narrative also kind of ripples out into the gameplay. So there's a lot to tackle. And I think we're planning on doing like maybe a bonus episode that kind of like goes really in depth with it when the raid is out and stuff, because the raid's not going to come out for a couple weeks. But just like just to kind of pitch Destiny 2 Forsaken, I think Destiny 2 Vanilla and the two little expansions that came out before that, they're fine. Like you have like a pretty interesting story. At least there is one. Whereas in Destiny 1, like there wasn't a story (laughs) until the second year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Destiny 2 like at least had a story had this really interesting thing where like your guardian gets their ass kicked and and all of your gear gets destroyed and you have to like build your way back up from nothing and like you and the vanguard who are like the three the the three like main titan warlock and hunter that like oversee the entire world and all the like the living people that are left after this thing called the collapse like you and those three have to build that society back up and like that's the core idea of destiny 2 destiny forsaken is basically what happens when everybody's favorite one of those three vanguard gets murdered by someone that that you kind of forgot existed he escapes from this thing called the prison of elders which is just like again bungie is incredible at naming everything (laughs) so he escapes from this thing called the prison of elders which you actually in in destiny one there was like a a thing that you could launch into which was just like a wave-based like enemy thing and you could just go into it it like escalated and got harder and harder and harder um this is you going revisiting there because there's a breakout happening so this one guy i won't like give away too much it's all in the trailers which is kind of weird that they like show off that this dude dies because like i don't know who isn't playing destiny 2 and sees a trailer of like one of the main characters dying and thinks like i'm gonna play that game now that this person i have no attachment to is dead but if you've been playing destiny 2 it's kind of a big deal so this guy escapes he escapes with um i think it's eight like huge like big bad guys also along with him you know the the nine of them work together to escape they kill one of the vanguard and then you are 
basically in this situation where it's you and the two other Vanguard and they are arguing about do we get retribution? Do we go after these guys or not? And their ultimate decision is like our responsibility is watching over the people of Earth. Like we really can't be going out and like waging war on people. You, the main player, for the first time ever in Destiny 2, for some reason, decide to actually speak words like there's a voice actor. Don't know oh, why. Wow. Silent protagonist until this one moment and then not again <laughs> for the rest of the DLC, which I oh, find wow. very strange. Yeah, that's interesting. You're just like, I'm going to do it. It's I'm going to go kill the guy. I love the the fiction that your character is now no longer a silent protagonist, but chooses to speak yes. like only when it's very important to them. Yeah, it's like the character in uh I think it's in the Fantastic Four who, when he speaks, the world ex- explodes, like the world blows up. Whoa. Um, I yeah. I haven't heard about that. That's amazing, though. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, th- I think he exists. It might have been a dream I had, but I'm pretty sure there's a superhero or villain who, whenever he speaks a word, the, the world blows up. <laughs> so maybe wow. your character in Destiny is like a mini version of that. Like some like IO blew up when you said, I'll take care of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There goes Alderaan. Yeah. I need to get back into Destiny 2, if only to kind of experience this with you, because your your love for this series is infectious, and I, I definitely want to jump back in. <laughs> I, and I enjoyed the vanilla version. Like, I wasn't put yeah. off by it at all. I just sort of, like, didn't really have a group. I remember I saw a friend of mine online, and I was like, Ian, I'm here, Ian. And I danced next to him for like 20 minutes, and he never, no one Whoops. came. I have weirdly run into people that you and I went to high school with, like, in the tower before yeah. which is very yeah. strange like not even like matching with them on purpose just like oh god i know who that is like actually in real life yeah yeah anyway so just to like kind of uh continue this a bit so your guardian is like i'm gonna go take this guy out and your goal basically is i'm gonna take him out by taking out the eight people he escaped with one by one. Oh, very count of monte cristo kind yeah of. so yeah the trailers leading up to this kind of implied like a Western vibe to this, like a very like Old mm-hmm. West movie kind of thing, like a revenge story. In in actuality, playing through it, the enemies are um, the enemies are like kind of bloodborne esque in a weird way. Like I wasn't oh, really weird. expecting it, but like yeah. the actual um, artistic direction of the game or of the DLC feels very bloodborne for most of it. Until the first moment, one of the characters who's this big, like, kind of uh, almost Jabba the Hutt-esque character who is giving you these quests runs down the list of all the people. And he's like, here's the rider. She, you know, rides on these pikes with her roving band of mischief makers and wipes these people out. Here's the machinist who is like a who's a demolitions expert and yada yada. Here's the trickster who is known for, like, pulling crazy heists and stuff like that. And like. He runs down all eight of them in order. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is just Kill Bill. So now we have (laughs) now we have Kill Bill meets Bloodborne. And I was like, this is sick. Wow. I would love that. And it opens up in a in a um, Breath of the Wild-esque way where you can do they're called the Barons. You can do the Barons in any order you want to. They're all just on the map. So you can just take them out one by one. And they're in the public space that everyone's playing in. So as you're running around the public space, you can see other people fighting the Barons. Um, while you're running around, which is amazing. And then not to not to spoil it too much. They kind of talk about it in the trailers, but not to spoil it too much. But when you're done with this, when you're done with the story and you and you finish all eight and you finish the ninth guy, like the, the, the big bad guy, you take him out. Uh, it unlocks this place called the Dreaming City, uh, which is where one of the, the character classes called the Awoken come from. They're like blue and they have these glowing eyes. 
Yeah. It's where they come from and and you get to go to where they came from and Steven, it is Lord of the Rings. Like it is <laughs> it is Destiny doing high fantasy and it's beautiful. I've never That's awesome. I couldn't believe the first time I walked in and I was like, "Jeez, like the you'll go into like almost a pantheon-esque building and instead of a ceiling, it'll be like uh just a just a thin layer of stars that only exist there. Uh they have like giant crystals floating all over the place like it just feels like elves should live there but instead it's the awoken i was about to say the awoken though are sort of the like the elf analog of of this isn't the fiction of them that or the backstory that they were once humans that like looked into space for too long and then just became awoken that might be it i don't know as much about the lore yeah i was an exo i liked the exo a lot yeah Um, i have one of each i do um what is it hunter human uh exo warlock because i like the idea of a, a space wizard that's also a robot um, sure and yeah, then and then an awoken titan but yeah uh so that that area of the dreaming city is where all of the like real end game stuff is um there's a thing called the blind well that you can jump into at any point it's like in in the middle of uh the public space so like you can just join a bunch of randos and they just start throwing enemies at you non-stop um <laughs> sounds great yeah it's just like a really great way to get gear and stuff if you're the kind of person who is incentivized by that um sure and yeah the, apparently the the way Bungie has stated it is that the Dreaming City is going to change every week, weirdly the same way Splatoon kind of does. Um, oh, interesting. Where like entire parts of the world might literally flip upside down because like, it's a bunch. It's kind of Avatar-esque where there's like a bunch of like floating <clears throat> world pieces. So they might yeah. flip upside down and become like taken versions of themselves or things. Or like when the first team uh, ever clears the raid, like it'll unlock a new part of the Dreaming City that's like now freed because like this one team of six people somewhere in the world was was able to like take out the big bad guy um so it's it's really like destiny 2 at least narratively coming into its own while also simultaneously and i won't get as into the nitty-gritty i think uh, on this podcast just to spare everyone but like (laughs) they also finally added like really great quest tracking systems uh there's a collection so you can take like anytime you've ever unlocked anything any gun or whatever uh you can now go and just pull it out of the collection again if you want it so you don't have to like save it in your vault or like hold on to it because you're like scared about losing it uh shaders and things you can now pull out like as much as you want i mean you have to pay for them and stuff like there's Mm -hmm. the the in-game economy but you can pull them out whenever you want uh, all of the weapons and stuff have random roles now. So instead of like, I got this gun and this gun is good. It's like, I got this gun. Let me sit here and look at all the stats and all the perks and decide like if this is a good gun or not. Um, so now people are looking for the quote unquote God roles of all the different guns. Like what is actually <laughs> the best version of this? Which of course there really is none. It's all about your play style. Sure. But, um, I mean, in some cases there is, but I think in most cases it's all about your play style. But yeah, it's um, it's it's amazing. It's amazing. I I. I, I think I texted you. I binge played like all of uh, the the story content, like basically in one sitting, just about. Um, and it was really, really incredible. And I'm excited to do it again, uh, which I haven't been for a Destiny expansion in a long time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there still seems to be a lot to uncover, like the the gear level or the gear cap, I think, is 600 at this point, And I'm at 500 having beaten it and like it looks like i'm not gonna get close to 600 anytime soon yeah. realistically 
Gotta um, jump into the well of blindness. Yeah, yeah. It's good, that man. That sounds incredible. It sounds like they are just going all out with, like, the genres tackled and, and just the fun they're having in it. Um, yeah. They kind of yeah. unleash themselves, it seems. It's, it, I think we talked about this, but it's the live team that's making it. So, like, mm-hmm. there's the main game, like, numbered sequel team, and they made Destiny 1 and Destiny 2, uh, and, and I think the first two expansions for each. And then the live team, quote-unquote, is who makes, like, the big, like, year update change. Um, and then everything after that leading up to whatever the next numbered sequel is, which is then the, the first team. Um, and the live team always just makes the game better. Like that just seems to be their <laughs> vibe is like, let's just yeah. take everything that these people made and let's just like fix it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> because there's some like severe issues with it. Um, but yeah, I, I again, I have to caveat this every time I talk about Destiny, but I know that it's not for everyone. And I know that some people are burned by it uh, or feel burned by it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And like. Although I don't personally connect with that uh, method of thought, I understand that I'm incredibly biased uh, and it is very much for me. And uh, Destiny 2 Forsaken is the best. I'm having Yeah, it sounds it, that's it, it's definitely a good incentive for me to get back into it. And you then, have a lot to reason, play, too. I do. The only reason I stopped playing again was because, like, I had no one to play with. So Galaxy is a lonely place for an Exo Titan. Well, great news. You can join our clan. It's called Help Me. <laughs> i love that our clan Change tag is just help <laughs> and uh we're always on good yeah i would love that i will get back into it maybe we can yeah. talk about that next time i can give you my hot take um yes i'm sure i'll like it too i mean if i liked the vanilla i'll probably like this that's sort of my method of thinking absolutely if you yeah. If you out there, dear listener, found yourself enjoying anything about Destiny or Destiny 2, like if you played either of them and you like them at all, uh, Destiny 2 Forsaken is a really, really good time to jump in and play it again. It is like, I don't know, it, it's just like the crystallization of what you thought Destiny should be, kind of, in a way, with a lot of surprises along the way. I like the idea, too, of having the weapons have a random effect. That reminds me a lot of Splatoon, actually, because in Splatoon you have, like, uh, every every piece of uh attire you have your headwear your shirt and your shoes yes like um they'll from the start have one to four passive abilities that are random um but then you can actually like i think it's spike's little brother i forgot his name yeah uh, the yeah, dude's always on his, yeah he, he's incredible though um he can like you can re-roll for that and i like that too because like i will never ever take off my tinted sunglasses ever um yeah it's the best look i found in the game so <laughs> i'm glad that like i can keep them on and and change up like what it does if i have mm-hmm. the if i have enough items i just bought a new shirt i had my i had one shirt on for a while but i just unlocked like a guy fieri-esque jacket that's covered in birds um awesome it is wild and i can't get enough of it i i will never take it off that's very good yeah so hopefully Destiny 2 has the Guy Fieri fashion I'm looking for. Otherwise, I'm out. <laughs> they, uh, they, they did finally, like, I think one of the big complaints that a lot of people had with Destiny, at least, like, in the circles that I run in, because I, I tend to think of Destiny as a fashion game first and foremost. Sure. Um, I, I think a lot of the, the gear designs were a little less inspired in Destiny 2 than they were in Destiny 1. Like, in Destiny 1, it was like, okay, so here's the, the uh, expansion that's all about the Hive, which are, like, the kind of like bug zombie yeah uh, like yeah. weird like them. dark cult um 
that exists. And all of the gear that you got from that expansion was like hive inspired and was like really kind of terrifying and gross. Uh, and then the next one was like fallen inspired and the fallen are basically almost like the covenant from Halo in a, in a way. Um, they're kind of inspired mm-hmm. by, uh, I would say, like Norse Norse vibes, which is interesting. So it's like a, it's like a Norse covenant in a way. And all the gear you got was based on that. And in Destiny 2, that hasn't really been the case. It's been like kind of the same. Like Titans have shoulder pads that are the size of like three of their heads stacked on top of one another. Uh, Warlocks just have like robes that are kind of bland and whatever. And it seems like in Forsaken, the live team is like, no, 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 no. We're going back to that like good shit. So the the main Eververse, Eververse is like the deals or sorry, the um, it's like the microtransaction store. Um, But there's like one set of gear that you can get in every season from the Eververse store. Um, and this season's is like straight up Final Fantasy, like dragon shit. Like oh, it's so yeah. badass. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was a little, yeah. I, I played as a Titan for most of the game. I, I made three. So I had, uh, I, I think they might've all been exos. I was really into the robots, um, <laughs> but, uh, I had one of each class. Um, yeah. I enjoy, I, I played as a Titan first and I had fun with it. Um, mm-hmm. definitely the easiest to start with, um, and to play alone with because like your your top status survivability um i got a little bit into my warlock and i enjoyed that class the most in terms like what i could do um Mm. but i liked the look of the hunter the most i think that the hunter has i mean you get a cape so like that's inherently better than like yep you get you get like a towel around your waist as a as a titan yeah um I mean, it's not it's not a towel, but I always kind of thought of it like a bath towel. Honestly. Yeah, I mean, we always call it the butt towel. So, I, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's um, a little yeah. anticlimactic. So if you were to come back in, who would you play as of the three? Do you think? <sighs> um, Probably the warlock, I think I mm. had in a I had in a actually I take it back. My hunter and my titan were exo and my my warlock was awoken, I think, actually. Mm. So yeah. I might play as her and uh, there's different then... dialogue in the story. If you play as an Awoken also. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. cool. Yeah. I do like the idea of an EXO avenging because I know the, the character who dies is also a robot. in EXO. Yeah. Um, so I kind of like that idea of like EXOs avenging EXOs. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, either way. Yeah, it sounds like a blast. I'm excited to jump back in and, and I, I will uh, share with you my thoughts. Yeah, um, let's do that'd it. That'd be good yeah cool should we cool. take another break let's do it goodbye do, 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 do. i tend to feel like bows somehow work in every video game yeah skyrim i was always a bow person i feel like in last of us i tend to use the bow a lot yeah that's also like for stealth reasons um mm-hmm. bows is a good it's a good thing yeah in video it, games. it's especially weird like walking around with a bow in the dreaming city because it feels so like oblivion or fable and it's like <laughs> and it's like i i'm a big like halo looking motherfucker like walking yeah. around with a bow in skyrim like it's really bizarre this is the first time we brought up oblivion in a while by the way uh episode 10 double digits we made it this is 10 this is wow. well if you count the first i know we had we talked about this i think in some lost audio but we're not sure if the first three are canon or not yeah i think they are I think they are. I think, yeah, let's not make any Final Fantasy confusion. Yeah. Just have there are episodes that exist out in the world. I think they count. Yeah. They're, they're just like before Steven had a switch and before Steven had a mic. So it's sort of like mm-hmm. me underwater being like, that sounds fun. Goodbye. Inkopolis sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was imagining Inkopolis. Uh-huh. <laughs> 
Brendan, last week we talked about Pokemon and doing Nuzlocke's of Pokemon, which is basically playing with a strict set of rules where when a Pokemon faints, you can't use them anymore, and being limited to using uh, or only being able to catch the first Pokemon you see in a new area, and you've been mm-hmm. doing that now, haven't you? Yeah. So okay. tell me everything. I have two things that are Pokemon related. Number one, I started doing a Nuzlocke in Pokemon Emerald version. I streamed it because uh, some of my other friends have been begging <laughs> me to do a Nuzlocke as well, <laughs> and and specifically to stream it. So I started streaming it, and it was fun. I had a good time. It was good. Uh, I made it through the first gym. I lost one Pokemon. It was fucking tragic. It destroyed Which, me. Who'd you lose? My- it was a it was a Pidgey, and I was like so excited to take the Pidgey with me forever. Yeah, it's, it's not gonna happen. I'm sorry for your loss. Yeah, I I picked Mudkip, um, which apparently mm. is like the hard mode version of doing a Nuzlocke <laughs> on Pokemon Emerald, which I didn't realize at the time. I was yeah. Here's the thing: I went into it like this is gonna be a fun, exciting romp, and then as soon as I lost the first Pokemon, it was like I did not mentally prepare myself for the stress of this. It's rough, and what's weird too is like realizing afterwards like i'm doing this to myself aren't i it is a yeah. weird like <laughs> yeah um but it is it's yeah it's it's brutal but like i remember my my most brutal moment was in pokemon black and white i lost like literally my whole team except for my Baldor, um yeah. uh, diane and diane like had sturdy so that makes when she takes a hit she at least has one hit point and that like yeah. got me through the fight then, thankfully, in the new area, I was able to catch, like, three or four new people, and I slowly mm-hmm. rebuilt, like, my whole... I lost everyone except for Diane, and yeah. I rebuilt my whole team. So there's, there's moments like that that, like, you know, it's like that speech at the end of Two Towers where Sam is like, these are the, he- these are the tales of the heroes. Like, when, <laughs> when times really get tough, these yeah. are the times that matter to keep going. So re- remember Sam in times of uh, turmoil. I will. I will. So that's, that's my Nuzlocke thing. I just... just- like update i did start playing one and it is it is an interesting experience um yeah the same day that i was playing that uh a post on reddit went up that was a a youtube video from someone talking about a rom hack that came out that's called pokemon crystal clear um if you don't know what a rom hack is basically people can take the old pokemon games any of them uh really and modify them to do kind of whatever they want. Uh, some people do it to create entirely new storylines and things. Some people do it to literally take out all the Pokemon and make new Pokemon. Some people will just change all the text because that's kind of like the easiest way to do it is to just like go into the text files and like re-edit those. Pokemon Crystal Clear is weirdly kind of, I feel like what you and I were talking about last week when we were like, okay, so Pokemon 2019 is going to come out for the Switch. Hopefully it's like a really big change, like it's a kind of departure in the same way Breath of the Wild was or yeah. Mario Odyssey or things like that. I, I come to report that I think someone already did it uh, because <laughs> because Pokemon Crystal Clear is like maybe my favorite Pokemon game I've ever played. Wow. It is so interesting. So here's the here's the conceit. Here's the conceit or like the the just main vibe of crystal clear it's pokemon crystal which means that it's from the gold and silver era so you get both regions you get johto as you where you start and you get kanto and in gold and silver you would finish all the eight badges in johto and then go over to kanto and do the eight badges there the way crystal clear works is the world is completely open so all of the places that you couldn't access in the beginning of the game because of things like surf or strength or cut uh, are all removed and those pathways are now completely accessible from the beginning 
And you get to start in either Johto or Kanto in, what is it, New Bark Town or Pallet Town. So you can start wherever you want. You can pick from one of 20 starters. Wow. Uh, so they have, they have the three originals. They have the three from Gold and Silver. And then they have like a they have all the baby Pokemon. Like you can start with any of the baby Pokemon they added in Gold <laughs> and Silver. And then they have quote unquote hard mode Pokemon. And there's three of them. One of them is Smeargle. One of them is uh, Ditto. And one of them is Magikarp. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Uh, I picked. So I started in Pallet Town because I just thought like, let's get as far out as you can from what gold and silver was and like yeah. start here. Um, but then I picked Squirtle. Cause I was like, let me, let me do this game as if, you know, I was starting out in pallet town, like for real. Yeah. So I picked Squirtle to start out. What's cool is you start with the egg moves also. So you, I think uh, Squirtle starts with confusion, uh, which is fun. Oh, it's like confusion and tackle and things like that. So you start there and then essentially the way it works is like, it takes place i think three years after the events of pokemon crystal so like things in the world have changed a little bit also uh and from there you can kind of just go do the gyms in whatever order you want um and the levels of the trainers and the gyms will scale to your level so that's based on how many gyms you've defeated so there are 16 gyms in the game and every single time you beat one the level cap of all of the trainers and gym leaders will go up a little bit as time goes on. And also by doing that, you unlock different HMs and different things like that, which is really fascinating. While that's happening, the levels of the Pokemon in the world are not scaling. So you could find yourself like traversing into an area that you like super should not be in, which uh, is what happened to me very early <laughs> on. I went out because I started with Squirtle. So I was like, I could go to Viridian City right now and go fight. I think it's Gary. Uh, you can go fight Gary or Blue, I guess. Uh, like right in the beginning if you wanted to. But I was like, let me just go right on to Brock because that's going to be super easy because I have Squirtle. So I just went and beat Brock and then went back down to Viridian City and fought Gary. Uh, or I was about to fight Gary and then I was like, eh, I'm going to wait a second and go to Viridian. Uh, what is it? Victory Road, which is like to the left of Viridian City. And I was like, mm-hmm. let me just see like if they'll let me walk all the way to Johto because you can usually cut through there by the time that game is over. So I was like, let me see if they let me cut through. And they super do. They definitely let you cut through. Wow. But when you get through, uh, that area of Johto, all the Pokemon are like level 40 and 50. And I was like level like eight or nine. <laughs> yeah. <that's laughs> so tough. I walk in with my Squirtle and I see a level 40 Ponyta who shows up and hits me with tackle and takes me down to like one health. I don't even know how my Squirtle survived, but it takes me down to like around one health. And I just like on a whim because I was I I was kind of flirting with the idea of doing a Nuzlocke for this. Um, so I was like, let me see if I can salvage this. And I threw a Pokeball and I caught the Ponyta. Oh, nice. Once, just one and done, caught the Ponyta. So it was me, my level eight Squirtle, and my level 40 Ponyta. <laughs> Would they not into- listen to you? Because that used to be, did they take that out so you were like, Pokemon of a certain level won't obey commands? Yeah, I think they got rid of that. because oh, I wow. Walked- I went to go test that on Gary's gym and I was like, let me just see if I could just like run through this with Ponyta. And I super did. I listened to all my moves. <laughs> But yeah, it's really fascinating. So there's that aspect of things, right? Where like the entire world is open. You can kind of do whatever you might wander into areas that are too high for your level. But that kind of adds to the feeling of the world being lived in in a strange way. Yeah, absolutely. And the the dialogue of a lot of the characters and like the NPCs and stuff has changed to reflect that and has changed to kind of talk about the fact that it's like years after Pokemon Crystal happened, which is interesting. Um What I really love is that the developer has not only done all of this like really interesting stuff in terms of the actual mechanics of the game, but has gone in and changed or filled in gaps in the world itself. So like 
if you played gold and silver uh viridian forest is like a smaller version of what it was in red and blue like Mm -hmm. it's just kind of like they shrunk it down just to make it fit on the cartridge um in crystal clear they restore it to its full size which is amazing so you get the full viridian forest again but then they've gone out of their way to like take certain areas that were literally just blank spots in the map like if you were to take the entire map and you were to just like put it up on a wall um like every single walkable place it all does connect somewhere but there's gonna be blank spots in between things the developer is using that space because ROMs can be an infinite size. Essentially, you're not constrained to cartridge size. So they're just like going in and filling everything in. Um, they're adding their own side quests and different areas to those blank spots. Oh, wow. So, so for example, there's one area that you can go to um, in, in Johto that by the end of this quest line, you get a sword, like an actual sword. <laughs> That you can use to cut down trees and grass and things like that uh, if you don't feel like using cut and you don't want to like teach cut to one of your oh that's one of amazing your yeah yeah um, so they're adding things like that all over the place um, there are things like apparently the the leaf four is different I don't know how but apparently the four people in the elite four are different than they were in the in the main game but if you liked those original elite four you can go to uh, the Pokemon Center at the elite four. And you can challenge the originals because there's like a, a battle simulator in there and it does like a simulated version of the original Elite Four. Um, so things like that. I mean, it's just it feels like the future of Pokemon, even though I'm playing it on a Game Boy emulator. It's really weird. That is strange. Yeah, I uh, I was the only the only like main Nintendo comparison in the Pokemon franchise that I could draw to is do you ever play the Pokemon trading card game for Game Boy? Yeah, yeah, I did. That game is is really good. Um, yeah, it, yeah, it's and it's a similar thing where like, I mean, it's it's you playing Pokemon cards, which is kind of interesting. Right. Uh, it's like literally, I think a professor gives you your first deck, which is kind of a funny like. Yeah, you know, it's this really is, goofy. Um, it's a strange fictional world where like it's just Pokemon, but they are cards. I guess it's like Yu Gi Oh, but there's not even like it's just cards. Um, yeah, but you could tackle like there were clubs that were each specific to one type and you could fight mm-hmm. any club at any time and then you would eventually get to the elite four once you beat all of them so maybe that's maybe that's part of it maybe it's like because it is like you know it's supposed to be this big wild world where like you don't know what you're gonna find and yeah. because the way it's structured it's like you're going to find pidgey that's who you're gonna find first yeah. or one of pidgey's many cousins you know like uh you're gonna find rats and birds and then you'll find the god of space and time uh yeah yeah so yeah i Um, I think that it would it would probably be in the game's best interest to like spend more uh invest more of the gameplay in that element of discovery and then the Mm -hmm. element of like there there is a little bit of that where like you know, I think in in the fourth generation, you could like put honey on trees and that would attract certain bug Pokemon. Yep. But it's a little bit esoteric and it's very like one off. Like I would love if there were more methods to capture almost like a Monster Hunter type game where you had to like study and research like the monsters in order to get them. Love that. Um, yeah, that would be a totally different game. But that's just like ways I'm thinking of spicing up the franchise a bit to like, yeah, you know, have it reflect the current technology and 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 to take a step forward. Um, yokai watch which is a a series that exists and i I think some people make a lot of comparisons to pokemon um i don't know if you've heard of it but it's like kind of the same idea but you're catching ghosts instead of 
monsters. Oh, that's um, awesome. It kind of has that vibe when you're playing the game. Uh, I played the first game for 3DS and like whenever you would go, you'd have to like figure out very specific ways to catch each of the ghosts, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love that for Pokemon. That'd be really interesting. Um, yeah. But on, on that note of discovery, like this is the first time that I've played a Pokemon game in a really long time where I feel like I'm discovering things. And I feel like if I don't want to catch a Pidgey in the beginning of the game, I could go down victory road and like, just find some shit that I'm definitely not supposed to find this early and like, <laughs> yeah, catch some stuff like way too early for my team, which is kind of really cool. Like it's, it feels like, um, the version of Pokemon that I think people like you and I who've been playing the franchise forever yeah. have kind of wanted, you know, and it's like a thing that Nintendo can never ever make because they need to always be appealing to both us and new potential people to bring sure. into the franchise yeah, and, that, and that's i think that's that might be what they're doing with the like let's go pikachu and yeah. eevee and then whatever the new game is right um and i'm like i'm happy for it to stay where it's at you know like they could they could honestly keep doing that forever and and like people will be happy and and you know like kids who are who are you know new to the franchise will love it and that's awesome yeah, um, that's a thing. Like at the end of the day, I'm just like happy that the thing I loved growing up is still beloved by like a new generation. <laughs> that makes me yeah. feel awesome. Um, but it would be cool to see. I mean, because like I'm sure plenty of kids love Breath of the Wild, you know, and that was yeah. like a huge step forward for Zelda. So I don't see why Pokemon can't experience the same evolution. No I agree. pun. In- actually, pun intended. Screw it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree. I definitely agree. I think. Um, after playing sun and moon and thinking like this is pretty good this is a pretty good pokemon game and then going and playing pokemon x again a little bit and thinking like wow this is what i kind of wished pokemon sun and moon was and now playing pokemon crystal clear and thinking like this is literally the thing that i've always wanted yeah um it makes me think like the franchise has such has such a huge playground to explore that it seems to be kind of avoiding at the moment and like if they just reach out and grab even like an aspect of that it's going to be huge it's going to be gigantic yeah it's really cool i agree Um, i'm excited to see where it goes yeah um for those of you who want to play pokemon crystal clear i literally don't know how you can do that anymore (laughs) um i think the developer removed the website from the internet uh after it got really popular that one day um but i'm sure if you google or something it's around yeah i i know a lot of that stuff gets season desists pretty uh pretty promptly which i understand why i mean it's like as yeah. we discussed this in an earlier episode pokemon is literally the top like grossing franchise worldwide of all time it's number right. one yeah and nintendo's also like protective of their ips so they're like hey just like don't ruin pokemon please yep. <laughs> like even though yeah. this is an example of like a good rom hack i'm sure there's plenty of stuff out there that they want to filter so definitely yeah uh, so no no shame on nintendo shutting these things down but it would be cool because nintendo on the other side has been so supportive of of indie developers that have made their own games that are like inspired by nintendo i always think of cave story as like that was well before nintendo even had the sort of indie marketplace it has now and they like fully backed cave story and and released it on almost every handheld system since like the ds yeah, um, which I think awesome. Stardew Valley is another really great example of that. Yeah, like, yeah. clearly just Harvest Moon. Um, golf Story is just Mario Golf without <laughs> yeah. Mario. Like, so the key yeah. is just don't call it Pokemon, and Nintendo right. will probably be your biggest friend. <laughs> but like yeah. the minute you're like, I have an idea for Pokemon, they're like, you are fired. You're done. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. yeah, 
that's cool though i um i'm excited for the future for the series um and in general it goes. and in general it's, it's a fall is <laughs> on the horizon i'm so excited yes like no i'm joke. extremely ready for sweaters steven me too i feel like i'm always kind of dressed for the fall and like it, me too th- things work out when it actually is the fall yeah uh, i'm exactly the same way i'm always wearing jeans like i'm always wearing black jeans and usually a black t-shirt and usually like a, a some kind of button down over the black t-shirt september which is a, which yeah. is a fall look <laughs> september is tough though because like september is still technically summer but like no one wants it to be everyone's like we get it it's over like school's started mm-hmm. like let's just yeah. cut to it well as um, soon as i i stopped going to school summer meant nothing to me anymore yeah you know what i mean no absolutely summer used to be like summer used to be so magical <laughs> and then everything changed sick should we wrap up then <laughs> I'm I'm now just feeling situated with the Switch. I've had it for a couple months, and I have like yeah. a pretty sizable library for it. So I kind of want to give everything the time it deserves. I might check in again um, on some games we talked about that I will get farther in. I I will probably talk about the Octo expansion again once it's once I finish it. Yeah, I'll please. Do like a spoiler episode. Um, Hollow Knight. I know we talked about eight times, but once I finish that, I would love to check in again. Yeah, because I played the DLC. Um, oh, so okay, cool. So we have some stuff there. Yeah, I haven't yeah. mentioned it because I didn't want to spoil anything. But and yeah, yeah, and like we we talk about new stuff, but like I'm sure we'll we'll have a lot of retrospectives too. I I, I tend to play a lot of older games too, so I'm sure I'll yeah. be like, you know what I just realized about Comic Zone is a uh, <laughs> um, no, nah, yeah. I will not be playing Comic Zone again. Ill advised. Um, <laughs> anyway, hey. So those of you who are listening, thank you for doing that. It's really incredible. Um, thank you for tuning in every week. Uh, it's wonderful. If you like the show, um, please tell some friends about it. That'd be really helpful for us and great and good. Yeah, thank you. It's awesome that people are listening and enjoying it. We have fun making it. And uh, yeah, that's really it. Uh, do you have anything else to say? The only thing I have left to say is that my name is Brendan Bigley, and you can find me on the internet at Brendan Bigley. Um, and I'm Stephen Hilger. You can find me at Stephen Hilger. And, uh, um, I'm trying to think of a pun for Crystal Clear, and like it keeps defaulting to the the song that starts with "I can see clearly now." Um, but that's not a joke or anything. And I <laughs> and what's even worse than just committing to the bit is now like dissecting it in front of you, like before it was even yeah. alive. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, on the plus side, our dialogue is fading out right now while the while the theme song is fading in, so <laughs> you don't have too much to go until the listener can't hear us anymore the good the good news is that the episode is almost over